You are God's favorite way to reach out to people with his blessing and his power. Do you believe that? Some of us are waiting for God to show up and to reveal his goodness to our neighbors and our friends and our work colleagues and people that we have seen need something of a touch of God. And uh, I believe God is also waiting in some of those instances um, because God has already sent you and he's waiting for us to understand our role within this, this desire of God to break out. Some of us are saying, Lord, please would you heal my friend? Please would you gather up the lonely ones that I'm aware of in my neighborhood? Please would you release the addicted ones and bless the struggling ones? And I think he's like, awesome. What are we gonna do first? Me and you, let's go. I believe Jesus, this is what Jesus taught his disciples. Jesus didn't teach them to wait until he got there, did he? Jesus sent his disciples out into different little communities to bless them. Matthew 10, verses 5 to 8, if you want to turn there, says this, These twelve disciples Jesus sent out, instructing them to go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. This was his strategy at the time. Go first to the house of Israel. And then proclaim as you go, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He sent them to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You have received without pain. Give without payment. So the disciples themselves had to go, and here's the point, the people in the villages that the disciples went to were not going to encounter God at work until the disciples showed up. That's something to ponder. The people in the villages that had been waiting for God to touch their lives in some way, that maybe had been thirsting after God, maybe wanting to put some kind of spiritual revelation, or maybe they were in pain in their bodies, or maybe their families were broken down and there was all kinds of mess going on throughout the generations, and they've been waiting for God. But they weren't going to encounter God's blessing until the disciples showed up. <coughs> Jesus told them to go armed with this simple reality, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In other words, everything you have seen me do, heal the sick, Raise the dead, set people free. The blessing of God, showing up and showing people what heaven is like. That is what is going to be at hand for you, within reach. When is that going to happen? When you show up. When you show up. So wherever you look in the scriptures and in church history, you see this principle at work. When did the slaves of Exodus experience God showing up and rescuing them from the grip of Pharaoh? When Moses returned and told them that God had not forsaken them. When did the Israelites see God deliver them from their enemies? Only when Samson or Gideon or Deborah or David the shepherd boy said yes to God and showed up on the battlefield ready to demonstrate God's faithfulness. When did the kings of Babylon and Assyria see God's power to protect his people and then turn to honour the Lord? 
Only when Daniel and his friends and young Esther came among them with trembling and demonstrated confidence in God. The widow's oil started to flow only when Elijah entered her home. Elizabeth's baby leapt in her womb only as Mary stepped through the door. Mary was filled with the Spirit and prophesied only when Jesus and John the Baptist while still in the womb, came into contact with each other and God began to move through Mary and she prophesied some incredible things. The nation of Israel experienced a move of repentance as John showed up at the Jordan River. And then the nation of Israel was turned upside down with miracles and truth as only Jesus, only as Jesus emerged from the desert and headed for the little villages clothed with power. It goes on. The lame beggar at Gate Beautiful in the book of Acts experienced God, God supernaturally strengthening his legs after years of suffering, only as John and Peter showed up and reached out to him. The people of Samaria experienced God's acceptance and power as Philip showed up amongst them. The believers in Cornelius' home saw angels and received prophecies, but only received the powerful baptism of the Holy Spirit when Peter showed up and walked through the door. The citizens of Antioch experienced God's presence and turned to the Lord in their thousands, only as the believers arrived in Antioch, having been dispelled from Jerusalem by persecution. But as the new believers arrived, God began to move in power. The governor of Paphos, the paralysed man of Lystra, the slave girl and the prison warden of Philippi all experienced an encounter with God and the goodness of his kingdom firsthand when, when Paul showed up amongst them. Since the days of the Acts of the Apostles, every time God has shown up and released his blessing and his presence in the earth, he has done so through some simple believing soul who is willing to step out in faith, trusting that God's kingdom is still at hand. Pick any of the moments of the last 2,000 years of church history when individuals and communities have experienced God's blessing and presence, and I guarantee you that somewhere in the midst of it, you will find a believer sent by God. This is not the exception, it's the rule. This is the divine principle that God has instituted, and he has not changed, I don't believe. God has promised to reveal himself to people only, and if we are willing to show up among them with faith, help them. Jesus' last instructions were for us to go into all the world and make disciples. He wanted us to bless them and teach them, and he promised that as we go, he will accompany us. He will be with us even to the end of the age. How many of you know that the end of, it, the, end of the age hasn't come yet? Mm. This is still the phase that we're in, and the scriptures couldn't be more clear. I heard a phrase recently, and it stuck with me. We are not waiting for a move of God. We are a move of God. Do you like that? Yeah. We are not waiting for a move of God. We are a walking, living, breathing move of God. That, that just hit home for me and reminded me of something that is true, spiritually true for each and every one of us. So I encourage you to look around, look around the room now, see what is going on. 
God is already doing it. God has already done so much amongst us here in this room. And some of you might be thinking, yeah, but I don't see God moving every day like he did in the Acts of the Apostles. I don't think you're sitting there thinking, well, I, I don't see God moving like he did in the Welsh Revival or the Hebridean Revival or some other revival. No. Perhaps God is moving differently to that right now. But I think sometimes we can be so busy waiting for the big displays of his power that we fail to see what God is doing right in front of our eyes. Perhaps we can sometimes be a little narrow in our concept of God moving in power. Sometimes, myself included, we are definitely too impatient. We like the dramatic, visible results straight away, don't we? Mm -hmm. We love it. We love to see the tumours shrink before our eyes. We love to see ears opened and eyes opened. We love to see depression lift up like a cloud passing over somebody's head. We love those things. And please don't misunderstand me. I love it when God bowls, bowls us over with a miracle like that, with a spectacular display of his power. It always really encourages my spirit. It makes me hunger for more. But I've started to appreciate that whether answers to prayer are dramatic and instant or gentle and over time, they are still answers to prayer. Whether it's an instant miracle or a slowly unfurling it's still a miracle and something to be celebrated. And I think we are seeing God's release and God's blessing like this all the time. Let me explain this. I felt God gave me a bit of a parable for you um, for this morning. I woke up uh, this morning with this story in my head. So settle down. You want to snuggle up a little bit if you're married and um, <laughs> sit back and enjoy because it's story time now. <clears throat> or if you want to be married, that would be too much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so here goes. Imagine for a moment that you're in paradise with Jesus and also a friend is with you. A friend who has lived a beautiful, faithful life is there too. And the three of you, you, Jesus, and this friend, are walking and talking about the old days. And the friend says to Jesus, Lord, I've got a question. When I was alive on the earth, in my old body, living through the challenges of the old life, we saw you do some special things in response to our prayers. Some of our friends responded to you. And because you met with them, they're here with us in paradise. Some people got well when we prayed, and people found comfort and freedom and restoration in all kinds of ways. Mm hmm says Jesus, knowing there's an important question coming. But, says the friend, we never saw a revival. Even though we prayed for a mighty move of your spirit amongst us, our church prayed so long and so faithfully, why did we not see it? Jesus smiled and said, I wondered when this would come up. Let me show you something. And almost like Scrooge in a, in a Christmas carol, this man was taken to see a big church meeting. 
Over 500 people were there, and the man recognized most of the people in the room. All of his family were there. There were people from his church, people from his workplaces, old university friends and people he had shared conversation with at retreats and conferences. There were people he knew from overseas and a whole bunch of other people that he didn't recognize. As he watched, he could see the spirit begin to move amongst the people. Some people came under great conviction and were turning towards the Lord and receiving forgiveness and welcome into the kingdom. Some were healed in their bodies. Others experienced a huge baptism of encouragement and affirmation and confidence rose within them miraculously. Some let go of past offences and courageously opened their hearts to loved ones again. Marriages were being restored before his eyes and families were being reunited. Wisdom and understanding of revelations of God were being released to many and they became miraculously strong in faith and love and character. It was a powerful move of God, of the kind the man had always longed for. This is it, the man cried, overjoyed at this outpouring of power. This is exactly what we wanted to see. And Jesus beamed and turned to the man and said, all of this that you see is the fruit and the impact of your life with me. All of these things I did through you and with you. I just thought you'd prefer these to prefer to see my blessing move through you throughout your whole life, blossoming over the years, rather than all at once in one big meeting. The man was astonished. He'd always felt like a second-rate Christian waiting for a real move of God, yet he'd lived a life of gradually unfolding revival. As he looked, behold, thousands upon thousands began to respond to Jesus, and signs of the kingdom were breaking out everywhere. The man said, what is this? And the Lord said, this is the outpouring that has come through the generations following those whose lives you touched. My power and blessing cascading down through the years until the end of the age. The man was overwhelmed with joy, yet in his heart he felt a tinge of remorse. This is so wonderful, he said. But if only I knew then what I see before me now, I would have woken up every day with an excitement to work with you, however small or slow the opportunities may seem. Let me ask you this morning. If all the ways you have helped people to encounter God was condensed into one short meeting, what would your meeting be like? If all the blessing you have released, all the prayers that have been slowly answered over your years were sped up into just half an hour, what would you be seeing? It's a good thing to ponder. Of course, it's impossible for us to fully know because so much of our influence and our impact goes unseen. It's imperceptible and we rarely get feedback. 
people tend not to say, to um, come back and say, hey, you prayed for me two years ago. Well, something shifted. They tend not to go home as though they've been to a hotel and write us an online review about their experience. We have to trust that every prayer and the smallest word of encouragement will be used by God in his purposes. We have to trust. But I can guarantee you this, because I've had first experience, first-hand experience of being on the receiving end of your ministry, as you have blessed me, some of you will be overwhelmed by the amount of beautiful stories and miracles happen before, happening before your eyes when Jesus takes you to the big screen in paradise and shows you the impact of your life. It will be better than you imagine. All the little things you've done, all the little prayers you've prayed, nothing will have been wasted. Jesus never promised us mass dramatic outpourings of power, but he promised us that we would be fruitful. Some of us 30 fold, some of us 60 fold, some of us 100 fold. And he promised us that that would be true if our hearts were good and receptive to his word. He said that we would be fruitful in his name. Just, just by way of underlining this, how many of you? had someone invest in you or inspire you in some way that has led you into a deeper experience of God. Hands? God has used strategic people to lead us into deeper encounters with him. Why would we not think he's not going to use he's going to use us to do the same for others? Why would we not think that? This is his number one way of working. It is our privilege to do the same. One last scripture. Luke 17, verses 20 to 24. This is a really interesting passage. Luke 17, 20 to 24. It says this, Being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus answered them, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And he said to the disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it, i.e. the days of spectacular outpourings of miracles. They will say to you, look there, or look here, but do not go out or follow them. For as the lightning flashes and, and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. What does all that mean? There is a day coming when even our understanding of the dramatic outpourings of God will be dwarfed by the reality that Jesus is going to come to display. There is a day coming when, with one mighty miracle, Jesus promises to restore all things and to transform this earth. But he also said, until that day, there are going to be times and seasons, there are going to be days when we are going to long to see what we read about in the Gospels, as it was in the days of the Son of Man, and we, and we won't see them. When God is going to be moving in imperceptible ways, 
But he says, I promise you, the kingdom of heaven is among you. We have to take Jesus' word on trust that God is always moving amongst us. Even when we can't see it, he is moving. We sing that song, Lord. Even when I don't see it, you're moving. Even when I don't feel it, you're moving. You never stop. You never stop working. He's always moving amongst us. He says, behold, which means open your spiritual eyes and look. The kingdom of God is in the midst of you. There is something about this that I believe that it takes a spiritual opening of our eyes to see what God is doing in the gentle ways, in the ways that are unfurling over our lifetime. How many of you are journalists? Keep a track. Something I want to learn to do. I am not a journalist, naturally. I'm not someone who sits down and takes notes. I don't get writing, full stop. I'm dyslexic. I give me a conversation every day of the week. But this, I know that from the journalists that I've spoken to, that this is one way we can catch the revelation of the slowly unfolding miracles amongst us. By documenting our prayers and dating them, we can look back and say, oh, back in January, I prayed that, but what's happened? We can sit and, and reflect. This is something I do do. I reflect on what have I seen God do today? What have I God seen do recently? and catch those miracles as they emerge. Otherwise, what we do is we just continue on in our lives, forgetting that we've prayed anything, done anything, ministered anywhere, and everything just kind of uh, just melts into everyday life. Whereas you journalists, you've already started to open your eyes to the slowly unfolding revival of your lifetime. God is here. Not to entertain us like a magician, but to train us over our lifetimes. Amen? We've got to trust him with the impact. So what is my task? I'm going to reduce this to three simple things. And maybe our band could come and set up so that we can take some time to respond as well. Number one. I believe that what this says to me is that I have to embrace God's choice of me. I have to embrace God's choice of me as a primary way that he wants to reach out to others and reveal his presence and his power to other people. Just like those villages that the disciples were sent to, he's waiting for us to say, okay, I will go. In my weakness, in my frailty, knowing that I'm not Jesus, I will go and I will trust that God is willing to use me to reach out to others. God has got appointments with other people that he can't meet unless we go. And we accept that God is going to use us. So we need to embrace God's choice of us. Secondly, we need to choose today to trust God with the big picture of our lives. Don't reduce his power to the fast and the spectacular. Choose to believe that your daily influence will result in many people being miraculously blessed and strengthened over time. Number three, ask God to move through you each day. Let your future self, standing with Jesus, <coughs> looking at the impact of your life on the big screen of paradise, speak, in, in, speak to you in the present day, saying, these days are short. The opportunities are many. Your, your prayers today have power. 
power to shape eternity. Your faithful witness will release a blessing that will cascade exponentially through the generations. So go for it. Don't worry about supernatural fireworks. Just let your light shine and he will do mighty miracles through you in his time. So those three again, embrace God's choice. Trust God with the big picture of your life and ask God to move through you each and every day. I believe the Spirit wants to release us from some things. Maybe there's some repenting to do this morning. Repenting just means to turn from a mindset or a way that we've been traveling and turn towards God for a fresh experience. That's what repentance is. And I ask God, what do we need to repent of and what, what do we need to receive as a result of this word? And I want to encourage you that if any of these things resonate with you, come for prayer. Come and agree with someone that you're going to draw a line in your life at this point and step forward over the line into a different experience of God. Some of us need to stop holding on, stop, sorry, stop holding God to ransom for the fast and the spectacular. Some of us are refusing to believe God is moving until we see the fireworks. I hear God say, stop reducing my power to the realm of instant miracles. That's what the Pharisees did. Show us a miracle, Jesus. It's time to stop that and to open our eyes to all that God is doing amongst us. Things that other people don't see. So if that's you, if you felt, oh, I'm just, my life is on hold waiting for, for a specific narrow way that God is going to move. I believe God is saying today is a day to repent of that. And to open our eyes to what God is doing over time. Some of us also need to stop disqualifying ourselves and waiting for God to go to our loved ones on his own or to send someone else. Lots of people in the scriptures, when they were confronted by God and told to go, they said, you've got the wrong person. Send someone else. Here I am, send him. Send her. Some of us need to just turn from that today and just embrace the fact that God wants to use us even though we are all of us far from perfect and, and we feel far from capable. We are God's choice. So let's not disqualify ourselves anymore. If that's you, I want to encourage you to get some prayer. Two more things that I felt God calling for some of us need to respond to. One of them, some of us are a little tired and need a fresh anointing to keep going. A fresh strength from God to keep praying faithfully. A fresh hope that God will use us on a daily basis. Fresh anointing for influencing situations towards the kingdom of God in that slow walk towards a lifetime of revival. Some of you might just feel like a run out of steam. And I believe that God wants to give you a fresh blessing, a fresh anointing to be able to stay faithful, to keep moving towards the answers to prayer that God has placed before you. If that's you, I want to encourage you to get some prayer. And there's also people in the room that, that need a miracle. And just because you haven't seen God do it in the instant and spectacular way, or maybe your faith doesn't stretch for God to do it in the instant and spectacular way, it stopped you from reaching out at all. 
Maybe you've got physical illness. Maybe you've got a long-term problem where you have a breakdown of relationship and you just cannot imagine it would change. And you're too scared to bring it to God in case God doesn't do the big miracle. What's that going to do to my faith? What's that going to do to my relationship with God if God doesn't come through in the way I expect Him to? But what if God wants to do something with that over a short period of time? What if God wants to do that over six months? Can you trust Him for that? Can you trust Him that God would deal with your sciatica by spring, by summer? Can you trust Him that God would be able to soften the heart of the person you find so impossible at work? So that maybe by next Christmas, not this one, there is a strong relationship between you, or at least it healthy working one. Sometimes we need to trust him in, and also trust him with the timing. But just by, by removing this need for the instant and the dramatic, it can clear the way for us to dare to trust him and to bring whatever we carry before him and leave it with him. Because when we sow that little bit of faith, when we give that little bit of confidence to God, God will take it and he will be faithful with it. And we're leaving it in the best possible hands. So I wonder if we can have some of our small group leaders. And some of the people that are used to praying in the life of the church, maybe to be in the spaces, maybe the front, over here, over there. And let's just take some time and say, God, how do I need to respond? Because I want to be fruitful, I want to be used, and I want to be freed up for your purposes. Let's take some time to respond there. I want to just stand where you are and just receive God's presence. But we're here to engage with Him. Not just to hear good words, we're here to engage with God. Let's take some time. Thank you.